podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Hello and welcome to the Whistleblowers. It's, I don't know where we are in the season. Is it, um, we're two weeks away from a international break. We are uh, game another week weekend. Up. Thanks, Gareth, for coming in. By the way, that's Gareth Dobson. Um, everyone's beating each other. Uh, last week was just weird because, you know, just loads of crazy results. So let's just try and pick up. Mark Smith should be here as well. Mark, are you at home? Yeah, is, is that you? how you normally start this podcast, Gritton, without me? Well, that, you know, that was absolutely up, shambolic. Well, I've given up being... I mean, shambolic is my middle name, Mark. So, to be honest, <laughs> I think it's the it's a perfectly apt way to start these, quite frankly, absurd times because uh, yes, I can't, keep, I can't keep up with the Premier League anymore. I can't keep up. I, can't, I don't know who to support. I wouldn't know who to support if I supported a team. It's just bizarre. It's, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. We sit here and slag off Spurs every week, and yet, Gareth... You're sat in second place. What, what's going on? Well, I don't really understand that because every time I look at it, I, I, I just feel more confused. Uh, I was actually, I'll be honest, I was just checking the table to make sure that Leicester hadn't moved into second. And they have, Martin. They have. They have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so right, Spurs well, are now third, which in fairness still speaks to the fact that I'm pretty sure they're not very good, but they're somehow in the top three. Okay, well, it's like an Escher paint. It's like one of those Escher drawings where he draws <laughs> stairs, but you're actually going down. And then yes. sometimes you're just like, oh, oh no, and you just sort of pop up at the top or like Cluedo between the, the kitchen and the study. You're just like a little back way up to the top of the league. I don't know what's going on. Mark, uh, have you been doing any uh, professional uh, broadcasting this week? You can you can add some weight to our chat. Oh, boy. I never, I never, I never stopped doing it, Martin. Yeah, um, the churn. Well, what, I'll tell you what I found, though, is, is we, we had those those few weeks, probably like a month, actually, of just ri- ridiculous results. Every weekend seemed to just sort of build on top yes. of the last, and it just became madder and madder. And it was sort of like uh, the house of cards had to fall at some point. And I feel like last week it became sort of quite normalised again. It felt like there was a lot of, there was a couple of nil-nils with United, Chelsea, and I think another one, there was a one-nil, there was a one-all. It was like, oh, these are realistic scorelines that normally happen on this planet. And then, <laughs> at the start of this weekend, we had the the 4-3, was I think, was it the first game of the of the weekend with uh, with Villa and Lee? Uh, am I getting that Sensational. right? No, yeah, Villa, Villa, the banter team of the Premier League this year, without a doubt, it's all action. Yes. I mean, Villa are just... And I just love that John Terry's on the touchline just having to watch this. He'll be... John Terry will be bold by the end of the season. His fullbacks are already pushing on. He is yeah. thinning. Uh, yes, it will but that game... But that, that game, that was the that was the first game on the Sunday, and that was the only real result of the weekend that was absolutely bananas, right? The, the rest were pretty pretty <laughs> much normal. So I think I think it's getting back to some sort of semblance of normality. But I expect that to be smashed to smithereens again come Christmas time. Smithereens. When they're, playing, when they're all playing sort of three games a week and they're knackered anyway, I expect it to all go a bit a bit mad again. And I think we'll see some more three alls, four threes, five twos, whatever. Yeah, very. It's the knock. It's a knockout. Whatever that program was. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's Alan Alger would say a, a regression to the mean. There's no. There's, there's usually a normalising of the table, but I I can't see that happening. It's just like it's a, like a list of teams. I'm looking at league table now, and it's just like a list of teams in 
obviously because the league's so tight, um, which is bright, it just means there's kind of false positions. But Gareth, talk us through being a Spurs fan through this because I, I there's so many good things to talk about your team, but there's so many other things that you're just like we're not quite getting it right. And the same way that maybe Man United fans look at Ollie going, we weren't quite getting it right, but we finished second. Well, I was I was comparing and contrasting the, the Spurs game with the, the Liverpool result. And they're not that dissimilar, essentially. You know, the better team sort of, you know, grounded out, scored a late winner. The, the difference was, in my mind, that's what Liverpool do because they're very good at it and they've been doing it for, you know, a good few seasons. Whereas Spurs, I, I sit there grumpily and it's like Spurs should never be in a position when they're still chasing for for late late winners. They, you know, the Mourinho tactic of, okay, we play well for 20 minutes and then we get a lead and we withdraw and we withdraw and we just full turtle up and we invite <laughs> as much pressure on as we can take before, you know, inevitably uh, a very mediocre Spurs defence, uh, you know, concedes and then they have to go and find, uh, see if there's enough time to find a winner. So it's maddening because he has probably the best squad I can remember Spurs having. It's better than the squad that Pochettino uh, brought through because it's more experience. It's won more trophies collectively outside of Spurs. Um, and I think it, it's it's more well-rounded. And it, he he appears to be the detrimental element to it. You know, they could, probably could play more expansive, exciting yeah. football. Burnley was a great case in point where he basically foretold the result and before the game was like, this is going to be a really tough game. Um, it, we're going to do really well to scrape a 1-0 and lo and behold... That's what they did. Where a venue looked, but that, at but that was classic Jose, wasn't it? Yes, that game was classic Jose because he, he just conceded three and, and and had the shit scared out of him by West Ham the week before. He was never going to go and play open against no matter who it was the week after. But then you so look it made at, perfect sense. You look at Chelsea, who then uh, filled you know a, a very attacking uh, midfield three and front three against Berlin. They absolutely tear them apart. You know, I yeah. the, the the question we we've had for a couple of years now, which is is is. Uh, Mourinho's tactics in somewhat outdated. I, I think that's still very valid, and he may be the main impediment to Spurs staying in the top three. They, they, they're not getting beat, though. This is the thing about Spurs. No. Spurs are uh, that's it's the fundamental about uh, Jose's game, isn't it? it it's, it's built on that, and, it, and he can always rest on that. Um, I mean, the, the the bail signing, for, for instance, you think that was something that was thrust upon him because, like, it was great to see him get off the mark. I'm a huge Gareth Bale fan. Mark, what, uh, what are your thoughts on him and, and how he fits within this side? Um, yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of friends, Gareth included, who who are Spurs fans, so I've been watching it carefully. But like you say, I mean, I'm a massive Bale fan as well. I don't know how you can't be. I think he's one of the most uh, successful ever exports that we've had from from Britain to, you know, a foreign club. To have him back is brilliant, and I'm excited to see him Maybe not week in, week out. I don't think it'll be that sort of signing. Um, but it's, it's interesting to see if we've got the same player back in the country. I'm not completely sure we have. It's yeah. very early to say because he, he's obviously not sharp. He's not match fit. And that will happen. He, he's not played a lot of football for probably getting on for about, what, 18 months now, really, right. as he played yeah. Reg, yeah. regular first-team football. So that will take a bit of time. I'm not convinced he's got the same pace that he had. He's had a, you know, a fair few injuries over those years in Madrid. Um, but what you do have is someone who is proven time and time again to be a huge game player. 
And that is someone who, even if he's just coming off the bench for half an hour or starting and giving you 65, 70 minutes, that is such a hard thing. There's so there's so few of those players in world football that now he's a huge weapon for Jose to have going forward. And all right, the, the game against Brighton, you wouldn't class it as a huge game, but he's come on and he's he, he's been there and he's made a difference. And, yeah, and think- that's that's what they need. In terms of his, uh, everything you're saying about where he is as a player now, I, I totally agree. And for me, it's quite obvious what he should be looking to do. And I think maybe he is, which is looking at his Real Madrid counterpart at the time, uh, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, who at some point converted himself strictly into essentially a number nine um, mm. and became a penalty box player um, You know, with great physical attributes. You know, people never really, I think, give Ronaldo his due for his aerial prowess and yes. from set pieces and so forth. And Bale has an element of that. You know, he's a oh, very fantastic much so. striker of the ball. And I think Bale must have, you know, must be looking at that saying, well, I can I can essentially play up front in a two, which is where he finished uh, on on Sunday night as well. Yeah, yeah. Ronaldo made himself into a tank, whereas Bale always feels like a racehorse. Do you know what I mean? There's something mm. there's something bulletproof about uh, Ronaldo in terms of his physicality that uh, Bale. You always felt like if you were getting him at his best, he was like a he was like a pedigree, like an yeah. Olympic athlete. Where you know it's a sensitivity around that for him. Um, you know who who knows where that comes from. I'd, I'm, moving on to, I'd, I'd, I'd like to stick on you know those kind of marquee players because obviously Everton have suffered because of you know the lack of those players in the, in their team and, and you look at um Rodriguez uh Richardson it's are they are they a team that's dependent on that now let's move just just moving on to them because obviously they've been absolutely they've had a, a stinker obviously with Dean getting uh, Dean yes, getting sent off but then also yeah. Coleman being injured um they're just a bit fragile for a top six place right now uh Gareth uh, yeah I think so it's it's it definitely does feel that without, you know, I, and it's easy to say, oh, without their best two or three players, they're not the team they were. And that, that's someone you can, you know, a, a point you can probably level at most Premier League teams. But it does seem particularly pronounced for them that the drop off, uh, yes. you know, beyond these two two or three key players is is very, very notable. I think um, they should be back. I, I, I feel terrible for for Hammers for his, his injury, having a... Uh, a bruised uh, <laughs> uh, never region is 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 a terrible yeah. terrible thing, but um, it was it was still slightly surprising at how miserable they were against Newcastle, though. Um, and and you would think that yeah, I mean, obviously Calvert-Lewin uh, scored, but scored very late. But yeah, I mean, they've still got decent enough players, but it, it, it almost felt like they decided yeah. that without Hammers that well, we aren't going to win and we're not really going to put in that level of performance that you'd expect. Yeah, I, I do think you, you, you're completely right, though. I mean, the, the three players they've lost, with the exception of maybe Calvert-Lewin or maybe even Allen, I think they are yes. the three players at that club at the minute. Uh, Luca Dean at left-back, is he just provides that option to stretch teams so well and get some proper width over there and get some overlapping. Um, obviously, we know what Richarlison's qualities are. He's someone who, uh, technically brilliant, brings so much to the table, but also... Yeah, has some real heart there as well. And then you've got James Rodriguez, who looks like he's playing in slippers and, and can just light a cigar and knock a ball around like he's playing five-a-side with his mates. So you do, you are going to miss those players. But the drop-off is mad. I mean, Sigurdsson's nowhere near the player he was two, three, four, five seasons ago. Delph, I still feel like the jury's out on Delph, but he's he's an experienced professional now at the top level. I don't, still don't know what really he's strengths are I mean that sounds really harsh but he's certainly not in the category of the players we've, we've mentioned and then you look at the likes of Iwobi or Tosin there's just not enough strength and depth at the side at the minute but I don't think they're far off 
Yeah, we, we spoke about this. Alan Alga was uh, very honest about Awobi being an Arsenal fan and just saying, if you look at what a team needs to do to get to the next level, is he the kind of player that's going to take them? Perhaps not. Yeah. Gareth, uh, Callum Wilson uh, needs some props from us uh, for a rare uh, Newcastle conversation because I think uh, he was a great signing. And, and to be honest, a bit yeah. of a coup for Newcastle. Yeah, it's I, I don't know why uh, he joined so late in the window. I don't know whether Bournemouth were sort of holding out for the best price possible. But, uh, you know, obviously they, they picked up both him and uh, and Fraser um, over from, away from over the summer. And, yeah, Wilson's been brilliant. You know, Newcastle, people always talk about the, the famed Newcastle number nine. They haven't had a brilliant sort of goal poacher, essentially. This is what he was, you know, what he is. It's tap-ins and penalties at the moment, which, yeah. um, you know, are obviously so vital and 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 key and he you know he's tucking away chances and it does seem like he he's really you know reinvigorated the attack and under Steve Bruce they're always going to be solid and they're always going to essentially be a very sort of you know rigorous team and then they they now seem to have that 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 bit of quality up front that's going to probably put them back you know right around the middle of the table which I think you know again if you if you look at where they were eighteen months ago when Bruce came in that's 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 an amazing achievement. I think, oh, I, think, I think he's made an incredible achievement. Like, I think he has. Yeah. He's done an amazing job, I think. I mean, the, yeah. the hostility that he had when he came in, of course, not from all quarters at, at Newcastle, but there was a, a significant vocal number of Newcastle fans who weren't happy. And this was his dream job, really, and it, it was really disheartening to see. Look at the table now. He's one point off Arsenal, who we've been raving about. He's two points off uh, Everton, who have started fantastically. Yeah. This is a team who, yeah, they've spent some money this summer, but over the last five seasons have really underspent. And I think... I think it's testament to Bruce and his man management, as well as actually some good tactical nows, that, that sees him in this position. Well, I think you're absolutely right. I think a man of his calibre, um, but yet he's perhaps fashionably positioning against Rafa. It's difficult, but it's yeah. like he's come home and the Newcastle fans, I think the, the quiet and sort of responses around him now shows that they've kind of taken to him and I, I think he's a great manager listen let's yeah, come back because we have we've so much to chat about in the second half we've got Southampton Villa listen Fulham uh, I think we spoke about it last week Gareth we're talking about Fulham making some shrewd signings in the, in the window and, and it, maybe it's paid off but let's come back to that after the break If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. All right, guys, uh, welcome back. We finished just kind of talking about Newcastle. Let's talk about another couple of teams that have done a bit of business. Um, well, maybe not business, but uh, Fulham certainly pulling themselves off the bottom. Well, 
not off the bottom, sorry, I should say three points. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm rambling here. I'm just staring at the, the league table trying to work out who to talk about, but there's so much to talk about about all the teams. West Brom, yeah, I thought, yeah. were, were actually a solid unit that, that would, that would be their, their kind of thing, you know, being able to dr- grind out nil-nils and, and steal points where they can. Or I know the first few games where a lot of goals flying either side, but I thought that Billich was starting to get, you know, a little bit of consistency. Fulham, great win for them. Did either of you see the game? Or the goal? Uh, yes, yes, I saw the game. Mark, start us um, off. Well, I mean, it, it's one of those where beforehand I'm thinking, well, I've got to watch the match because it's on. Um, I really don't want to. I'd rather do anything else. Fulham, West Brom, <laughs> either side playing particularly well. But you know what? Fulham really turned up. And uh, it's it's so difficult when you, you're at this stage of the season and everyone's saying you're down already before you've really got started. And it's it's so difficult to G those players up. Uh, like you mentioned, they, they brought in some good players. I think Adamola Lookman's a really good signing. Yeah. Uh, Loftus-Cheek, who didn't actually start or even get on yesterday. He stayed on the bench yesterday for Fulham. But it's indicative of a... Uh, sort of a, a better quality of player that they're trying to bring in, players that can change a game. And that is what you need in the Premier League, right? The championship is a completely different animal. You need yes. to have consistency and you need to be able to score past championship defences. Coming up to this level is, is just an absolute... It, it's night and day. It is so hard to score goals. And previously it was right. Well, we've got Mitrovic. He's our man. We're going to knock it long to him, be direct. We're going to feed off the scraps. And he's such a good connector that we can. we know we can probably make some chances that way. But if he's not firing, and if you're playing against teams that are are close and tight to Mitrovic, you need to have other options. And, and yesterday, I thought they had players running off him really well, and they thoroughly deserved their win. Um, I mean, West Brom, who they've got some attackers that I really, in fact, you know, uh, Dean Garner I think is great. I've yeah, talked about yeah, him yeah. before. So, uh, Mateus Pereira, I love. Carlo yeah. Grant, someone who's just come in from Huddersfield, who yeah. um, he will score. He'll score ten goals for them. But they really just looked toothless yesterday. And that is one of those games, Fulham-West Brom, you need, as a West Brom player or a West Brom fan, you need to be looking at that and thinking, this is the chance now to get an away win in the Premier League. And those things are gold dust when you first come up. And they just didn't take it or, or ever really looked like taking it. Yeah, you've got to beat the teams around you. Uh, uh, that's, you know, that's always... That's that's what a lot of the teams we talk about. Newcastle talk about Palace talk about you know even Everton back in those days. West Ham that yeah, you have so. to kind of aim for those sort of things. Gareth, what did you make of Fulham's performance? Um, it was really really promising to be honest. I you know I I know I, I've been pretty down on Fulham and you know I still wondered if they were going to hit twenty points this season at, at one point and I don't know how much that speaks to how bad West Brom are if 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 you go and get fairly comprehensively beaten by. By Fulham, but Fulham played really well in places. And the, the second goal by uh, Ola Aina uh, was a thing of beauty, absolutely incredible. The the move that led up to the shot and the finish itself, which was you know it, it was full worldy. Uh, and I didn't realize I, I, I was just doing some research ahead of the pod. And, uh, so he actually started at Chelsea, uh, another one of the you know, wow. famed uh, you know sort of he played, made three senior appearances over four years. Did a season at uh, did two seasons in Torino actually before he wow. came back here and um, he he's a young twenty four years old you know you can lose half your career in the uh, Chelsea reserves before they finally <laughs> let you go somewhere else on a you know on a permanent basis but you know if if, if they're digging up these players um, which we may not necessarily have uh, foreseen then maybe that speaks really well to to their new recruitment because I know they overhauled a lot of the club over the last couple of years. So maybe they're building something quite promising. 
Well, let's come straight on to that. Uh, the Chelsea incredible, a really good performance against Burnley. Burnley team that had, you know, trademarked, very difficult to break down and also quite um, intimidating for kind of maybe a team of Chelsea's ilk uh, in mm. both boxes. Um, Mark, did you catch any of that? Because I know, I mean... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> Well, does, uh, take it as take it as read that I've seen all the games because I don't have a life, Martin. You know this about me. What else am I going to be doing? Playing with I my know. son. I know, but the, the, you, yeah, okay, but you still find ways of saying you're busy to do the podcast, so that always makes me slightly I'm worried. Watching, I think. watching the games. I think. Um, <laughs> it's all on a Monday. Look, Chelsea have been searching for this balance now for the last sort of four or five weeks, and when it hasn't been working out at the start of those sort of four or five weeks and they were conceding three goals every home game it seemed like they um, yeah, they were hammered for it and we were saying look Lampard doesn't know how to defend and myself I was saying the same thing he's not yes. a manager who's interested in defending and then we fast forward and we see them draw at uh, home to Sevilla in the Champions League and then in the same week they draw away at United and you go okay well he's that's too much Frank you're defending too much now yeah, and now he's he's starting to find his balance, and that's all it is. It takes time. You can't expect to sign half a half a team full of outfielders, and expect them to gel immediately and find this balance between attack and defence. It's going to take a bit of time, and that game against Burnley was absolutely clinical. It was perfect. It was it was yes. actually not dissimilar to a Jose Chelsea performance, where they were very solid at the back. They were getting a foothold in the game at the start, and then they just started to play more and more expansively and with more and more confidence. And every time they get a clean sheet, and this new keeper gets a clean sheet, it, it must feel... It, I think Frank probably takes as much pleasure from that as scoring three or four goals. I think it's, uh, yeah, very, very promising for them. Ziyech is now in and playing and already playing well. Werner's starting to score goals and starting to look like he can occupy Premier League centre-backs. Um, not completely sold on Havertz yet, but he's very young, it's very early. Uh, and and the centre backs now with that old head Zuma, in uh, silver, yeah. they, they look like they're they're onto something. Zuma, who actually I think probably is Chelsea's arguably their best defender, and he's starting to play now, and he's starting to do well. And he scored again at the weekend, so yeah, great. I think it's a really good time to be a Chelsea fan, and I don't think they'll win it. I don't think they'll necessarily challenge, but I think they're setting themselves up for a challenge in the next season or two. Gareth, what do you uh, make? Is this is this a new Chelsea we're seeing? Because uh, I know the, the trademark of a, a new manager is always to to stamp your authority by having a few players of your own. I think Frank's had a couple of goes at that. I think a little bit of poetic license for that first season where he couldn't sign anyone. So he was kind of forced to play out Abraham and Mount and a few players that have, you know, been, it's not always been successful, but at the same time been interesting to watch. How, uh, what have you made of it? Well, the, the team he played uh, at the weekend, I don't think is a team he's going to be able to get away with playing on a regular basis, because it was so attacking, having yep. uh, Havertz and Mount and uh, you know Ziyech. Uh, Ziyech looked absolutely brilliant, and yeah, the only player who was really anchoring was was Kante, who did a fine job. But I think it honestly spoke to how yeah how poor Burnley were. They just couldn't muster anything of note. I think uh, you know Lampard is more likely to be a bit more uh, circumspect in terms of you know bigger teams with bigger challenges. But you know when you do put all those attacking players on the pitch. You know, they really look great. They really look like they're starting to hum. And, um, you know, Werner seems like he's, 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 he's getting on with it. He only came in late because uh, Pulisic, I think felt his hamstring very late on in, in the warm up and, and got uh, quickly uh, swapped out for, for Werner. But the fact that you can have, you know, yeah. you can have that 50 million uh, euro striker, you know, just come in at short notice and play so well, you know, it does speak to how rich they are attacking wise. Tiago Silva, 
um, there's seemingly they're going to try and manage his, his workload. He's 35 and they want to get him through the season. I, I think he's there as much for, for the Champions League. But yeah, he, he seems to complement Zuma quite well. Uh, as you mentioned, and 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 Reece James is is looking good as well. So yeah, you know, they have practically brought a whole new team. Like you said, you know, Chilwell's new as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really it's, like Chilwell and James. I think they're both uh, sensational fullbacks. But um, but yeah, that could, that could uh, be England's pairing going forward. I well, think, I think so. James yeah, has got everything. Really, he can go forward and back. But I've got to say about the back Burnley. But yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's not. We can, that's a whole different conversation. Yes. The thing with Burnley is, it, it felt like if, if this was a boxing match, it felt like Chelsea realised quite early on that, that Burnley didn't have that much attacking quality and didn't, didn't have much um, power in their punches, and they could just essentially walk through them. So after about half an hour, you, you just saw Chelsea just they looked so confident that they could just nullify anything that they could go forward at will and do whatever they wanted. And I thought it was a real show of power. Yeah, well, it's, it's an odd time for Burnley because, you know, they're completely lacking in confidence. But um, we won't dwell on that because there's a couple of teams I want to talk about before we finish up. Um, two of the teams that scored four this week, actually. Uh, Southampton. Gareth, we both love Southampton. Uh, just, I, I'm pretty sure because of, <laughs> well, we've been speaking about them uh, and Hassan Hutel. In a glowing way, since they got beat nine 0 by Leicester, uh, we'll come on to Leicester in a bit. But um, tremendous from them against Villa. Uh, if anything, the scoreline flattering Villa a little bit. Yeah, really cynical, uh, cynical, clinical. Excuse me. Um, it's it, one of those games where when Southampton just hit their groove, everything seems very easy, and you know they, they trust the system they play in and, and the structure. And you know, I, I think. Uh, Aston has really worked with some of the players on the pitch and really developed them, uh, especially uh, Ward Prowse. I know he scored, you know, uh, a couple of free kicks, and it's easy to talk about that. But his overall game, I think, has been fantastic. He's, you know, turned himself into this very accomplished central midfielder. Where you know, even maybe a year or so ago, it was kind of unclear what kind of player he was exactly beyond one with an incredible, you know, delivery of the ball. And I think he's worked really hard to to round himself out. Um, and that's, you know, I think that, that, that's testament to, yeah, the, the work that Hassan Hersel has yeah. put in. I think that's the, a great point. Biggest, yeah, great point, but being centre midfielder, but sorry to cut across your carry on. No, saying that the, the biggest result they had, uh, this weekend is seemingly that Danny Ings's knee injury is not too severe. Um, because I think everyone who watched and saw him go down holding his knee must've feared the worst getting yeah, he's had awful, two ACLs it? already. Um, so yeah, if as long as he's not out for any substantial period of time, then that's going to be a huge uh, a huge help for them. Continue. I mean, they're, they're in the top five, and it doesn't it doesn't really flatter them that much either. No, absolutely, Mark. Uh, uh, again, Villa perhaps an interesting team to play. It is all action against Villa. It's all or nothing, isn't it? And I am um, a huge <laughs> I'm a huge fan of. I them love it. I think I think it will, I, I I think their policy will be okay. I think they'll be fine. And I think once they can sort a few things out, I think they could be, a, you know, they're an absolute nightmare to play against. But it doesn't mean that it's they're not it's, winning. It's, it's this is Kevin Keegan's entertainers for the for the, <laughs> the TikTok generation. This is brilliant. I, I love it. They 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 go all out. I mean, look, I, I talk about Jack Grealish every other minute that I'm awake. I love that man. <laughs> but what I loved about that game on uh, on the weekend was they're four 0 down, getting absolutely destroyed. Okay, there's no home fans to get on their back, but they get absolutely destroyed. The pressure's on. It's awful. It could be a bloodbath. It could be six, seven, eight nil. 
And still, even at that point, the Villa captain is taking the ball under every circumstance you can imagine. He's never shying away. He's always showing up for the ball in tight areas, getting on it, trying to make something happen. And all right, the goals all came in, in you know, in, in late in the game. They weren't really going to affect the result. It was too late for anything to happen. But it just shows that they are a team that will never stop. Even at 4-0 down, they will never, ever stop going. And they've got some real quality now there. Alongside Grealish, Barkley's there to take the burden off him a little yes, bit. Yes, yes, uh, yeah. Watkins up front looks like someone who could develop yes. a really, really, really good Premier League striker. Um, I just think, yeah, Trezeguet on the right-hand side was good. They've still got Traore to come in. It looks great. It looks great in a minute for Villa. They they started off so well defensively. That's obviously, you know, dropped off a little bit. But I'm sure they'll get that back together again. And we'll see with Villa. They might be the sort of swing team of the year where we have, you know, we've seen them beat Liverpool 7-2 and then they get hammered. <laughs> you just don't know what's going to happen with them. But it's never boring. And I and I also think that the, the results will be more in their favour than against them. Yeah, listen, I totally agree. I had uh, an old teammate of mine from Torquay. He went into coaching and he was managing Western Supermare. And he had uh, Ollie Watkins up front. And he was like, this kid's quite good. And I was like, oh, okay, how's he getting on? And then we just watched the social media post since. And he's like going, yeah, I, I kind of wish Western Supermare had a percentage of sell-on fee because it probably would have made the club a lot more comfortable than, than it currently is during COVID. But um, but yeah, when you see those players go through that journey, because going to Brentford, it's a hell of a job. you got to go there and then, you know, you come out in non-league, you got to prove yourself. And he did that and then get a massive price ticket on your head and you're just playing against Liverpool's going at trick. I mean, just phenomenal player. Really enjoyed watching him play. You're absolutely right, but Barkley, I've always thought he's a powerhouse. He's more so than perhaps some of the other uh, midfielders that have been less, you know, you look at the players like, um, who was the who was the one that went from Leicester to Chelsea? Um, drink, water. Never, drink water. And, you know, these guys that kind of, you're like, they're great for the team that they're playing for. And you're just wondering if they'll ever be able to have that sort of influence going to a bigger club. And Barkley, kinda, you kind of hope that he would make it, but you're up against it at Chelsea in terms of quality. But going to Villa seems to have given him a new lease of life. Let's go on to um, another team that scored four. I'd uh, love to get your thoughts on the freshest game of the Premier League, uh, Leicester's demolition of Leeds. Um, Gareth, did you catch this game? I I watched the, the second half, actually, so... It was, yeah, essentially when I started watching, it looked like, you know, Leeds were, were were pushing incredibly hard and had all the ball and were looking quite dynamic. And then suddenly, you, you know, you blink twice and uh, Leicester have ruthlessly taken them apart. The uh, the third goal was another thing of beauty. The the incisiveness of the, the move, the, the, the brilliant ball played in and then the really, really lovely sort of almost sort of flick to the side to send, uh, to give... Did he mean it? Are we, gonna, are we going to give him benefit of the doubt I'm going to say he did, because I, I yeah, would I like well. it to, to have meant it. But I, I wondered that initially, but, you know, I'm going to say yes. Let's, it's like the Bergkamp Newcastle goal, isn't it? Let's just go with it. Let's just, let's just say he meant it, because it makes it so much more perfect. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I, I, I think, no, 100%. And it's... I. I think I'm one of those people who takes the always takes a while into the season to to give Leicester some credit, and you know they've essentially they're still playing the same game, the same style they did five years ago. But when it works, it really works. And you know if Brendan Rodgers can find a way to to pull his teams over the line, then you know he he's going to have a force on his hands. He's a very good coach. He he does seem to 
get the best out of the players and just put and just play to their strengths. It's almost like there's never a square peg in a round hole with him. It's just like he picks the players to do the job. Uh, you know, again, it's, it's reminiscent of the Swansea side that he had that was just so exciting to watch. Um, Mark, are you, uh, in terms of what Leicester are, are, are they capable of staying in that top three, four? Um, well, it's difficult to say, isn't it? I mean, I love watching Leicester. I think they're maybe the most dangerous team away from home in the league. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I, I, the, the only reason, the only reason I'm not quite sure is that there's just so many good teams in the Premier League, and as, as we're seeing in in uh, European football at the minute, the English teams are doing great, and so we have got a very strong league. So it's very difficult for a side with Leicester and their relatively small funds that they've got in the transfer market to compete. Yes, it can happen, which means they've won the thing before. Uh, and it's, there's no reason why they can't finish in the top four. But I, I just feel as though there's maybe five teams who are possibly ahead of them still. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say, no, they won't finish top four, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did. And actually, I will be rooting for them to, to get there because I do like them. Um, I mean, like Gareth said, the, the, the way they punished Leeds uh, last night it was just absolutely clinical. And Martin, you're right. I mean, what Brennan Rogers does, it, it, he's, he's not... You're allowed to just pick your best players in the best positions and, yes. and, and, and G them up to the point that they feel happy and confident and know what they're doing. Right? You're, you're allowed to do that. Absolutely. Everyone knows their job, everyone knows their role, and everyone knows what they need to do to excel. And that's okay. I'm sure there's obviously way more to it than that. But he seems to be the sort of manager that players respond to because he makes it uh, about enjoyment and about being effective and that seems yes. to come across and I mean when it helps when you've got someone like Jamie Vardy who's who's getting younger by the minute but uh, yeah. yeah really good team to watch and I hope they do well yeah, yeah and he, no, he, he does that brilliantly until until about mid-April and then suddenly it seems to stop working every season and I'd love well, to what. what is that do you think no, that's a manager thing. This is this isn't just them. This this is the difference between winning and losing. Listen, I, I commend us for not speaking about Liverpool and Man City during this podcast yet. But Liverpool knowing how to get something across the line and knowing the people that will help you do that, uh, Diego Jota, those sort of players who you're just like, where did that come from? Did anyone see a saying like that? But and now it's like, oh yeah, obviously the influence that he's had already. People are saying, oh, should he replace Firmino? And you're just going, what? What is, I mean, like you told this, I'd be more surprised about than that about the, than COVID. You know what I mean? It's like but the ridiculous. It's just like, but brilliant yeah. and perfect. Uh, you know, the fact that you can get your Liverpool, you can go, yeah, it doesn't matter. We don't need to sign any more left uh, fullbacks. We'll just bring through the youth team ones and look at the players that he's brought through. I just think there's yeah, something yeah, about him. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a will of nature about the, those sort of managers at that level. Just I think a, a total Rogers, winning mentality. Yeah, and I think Rogers flirts with that. But you're absolutely right, Gareth. There's there's a slight flaw because winning winning the league eight times in Scotland, uh, you know, I mean, we've all done it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> and that's coming from a Celtic fan that's in absolute tearing my hair out this season. But, um, but I do, I do think that's a big thing, don't you, Mark? Absolutely. And to go back to Liverpool, I mean, we said at the start of the podcast that the league is all over the place. No one knows what's going on. Well, Liverpool is still top. Yes. You know that they haven't been great so far this season, and for all for all the the fact that it's been a tumultuous first seven games, they're still top of the league. And they still look like they're probably going to win the league. I mean, I, I know you're going to say Man City are going to win it. You say that every week <laughs> of every season. But Liverpool, I mean, 
they just looked like, like you say, that they didn't look great on Saturday. They didn't look great the week before, but they got it over the line and they won. So what's going to happen when they start playing well? What's going to happen when Thiago's back and, and absolutely running games again? But yeah. interestingly, they, they've now conceded as many goals as Chelsea did in the entire season. They won it. So they're winning things in a very different way to those sorts of teams. They're no longer looking at defence. Now they've lost Vivi, uh, Virgil van Dijk. They've lost... Um, oh. Who else have they lost? Well, Alisson uh, was, was out, out for a while. while. He's coming back. Alisson's yeah. just come back. Yeah. So they're not going to win it like that. And so this this may be the best season possible to lose your best centre-back because it might be that we go back to seeing Liverpool just go in, right, let's outscore everyone then. And that looks like it could win in the league this year again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, listen, we didn't even touch Manu Arsenal, but I'd be interested. I'm, I'm more interested to see what both those teams do next week. Um, hopefully, I'll get you both back on to talk about that because I think Arsenal's issue is like putting back-to-back wins together. Man U's issue is what the hell is going on. But, um, but we'll touch upon that next week. Uh, uh, Mark, where can we find you this week? Uh, Football365, if you uh, go on their Twitter or Instagram or whatever, uh, I do a show on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Thursdays. Yes, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Wonderful. All right, we'll, we'll check that out and uh, hopefully we'll speak to you again next week. Gareth, you up to anything exciting at the minute? Well, I started, I started lockdown two days early because I've got 36 kilos of greyhounds sitting on top of me, meaning it's literally impossible <laughs> to do. Oh, lovely. That sounds actually quite um, quite nice. Yeah. Um, right, gents, listen, I, ho- I hope to get you back both next week before the international break. Um, uh, but yeah, oh, uh, it, it continues <laughs> Another to be... One. I know, I know. If only you had something other to do than sit in front of the telly and, and nest your young son and watch football, you house husband. But um, but we're all very proud of you, Mark. Um, uh, gents, listen, it's great to have you both on. Uh, thanks for joining. Thanks. Cheers, Grits. All right. Uh, that was the whistleblowers. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.